0: Hi and welcome to MC Podcast episode 19. We have Kevin Kuhn in the uh, studio today. Welcome Kevin Kuhn. Good morning. How are things going around here?
1: Everything's going well even though it's uh, it's a little crazy. We're we're rolling right along good
0: and got got several people out on vacation i had family in town this week and so uh i was gonna say dealing with all of that but that that really doesn't convey the right i was having fun with all with you know with with dad and what have you so we understand <laughs> yeah i know it's like <laughs> being with my older self i'm like oh my gosh i have to come back to the office and apologize to everybody i'm like i'm really sorry for treating you this way yeah <laughs> <laughs> And so and so I think Kyle's going to join us a little bit later so he will probably have to be the one that I need to apologize to the most because you know as young as he is I, I I you know i I don't really mean to but it just kind of this father figure kind of you,
1: you mentor him
0: I, I mentor him I, I do I mentor him and some sometimes whether not he really. deserves <laughs> it or not <laughs> I think I think that's a great I think yeah. that's a great way to put it. So, but everything everything else around here kind of going going okay with everybody being out and it, what have you. It's
1: going well. Like you said, we got several folks out on vacation. Uh, we got uh, everything's crazy in the nursery pollination wise. Uh, you know, we're out running around looking at plots. Um, and you know, when when I first started, and you know, I first started, you know, six years ago. This time period, June July, was kind of a period to catch your breath a little bit before the next selling season. Yeah, um, and there is so much work going on right now to prepare for the fall selling season that there are no breaks. I mean, it's it's uh, really really busy. Um, yep. But uh, but it's it's going really well. Uh, looking forward to getting started here. Uh, we got dealer training coming up here in just a, a couple of weeks. Right. So we're kind of putting the, the final touches on getting everything ready for that now.
0: Yeah, we'll have what 70, 80 dealers in somewhere in that neighborhood. We,
1: we will. We'll have uh, we'll have most of our our large dealers in here for a, a big training event. Uh, we'll go through everything from product placement to, uh, you know, uh, nutrition. You know, you're going to cover yep. some some hot nutrition topics, um, selling techniques, a little bit of everything. So it'll be a be a big deal.
0: Good deal, good deal. Well, you know, I mean, here here we are um, this time of year, but. You know, I don't think it's too early to start talking about silage harvest management. In fact, I, I had a phone call this week. They're already harvesting you know down in Arizona. They've already harvested some of those places. but you know for us in the Midwest, it'll it'll be on us before you know it. so so let's let's talk about a few let's talk a, a few tips there for for guys. Um, and so, where where do you think a guy ought to start? Where when he when he's looking at, at at silage harvest management? Where's the first place he needs to look?
1: So when we're looking at silage harvest management, you know, really really we start at the beginning of the year when we're when we're laying out our plans for uh, what we're what hybrids we're going to plant, and where we're going to place those. You know, um, I, I think ideally a guy should have a plan in mind uh, before he ever goes in the ground with seed on. Which acres are going to be used for silage? Which acres are going to be used for high moisture corn or dry grain? Um, and and how those hybrids kind of fit that mold? Um, you know, inevitably Mother Nature throws us some curveballs, and, and you know, and and the best plans don't always come out that way. Um, but we can definitely avoid some some problems if if we have a plan in place. Okay,
0: and so so we got a plan, and so part of that plan would be. The, the hybrids that are being planted in what field for what purpose so so then the question then is you you got this plan and, you, and you're thinking about it how, how how big of a um issue is it how how good of an idea is it to kind of spread out the maturity uh, of of your hybrid so that maybe you you kind of broaden your your harvest window there a little bit
1: right so in a perfect world you know, I think a, a dairy producer, and, and we always talk, you know, first of all, we talk about diversify your acres. Use multiple hybrids. Yep. You know, we, we don't want to put all our all our eggs in one basket and take a risk on all my acres on one hybrid. So, so diversify your hybrids. Um, you know, and, and in a perfect world, we would go into a planting season. We'd get in the ground uh, in a timely manner. We'd get everything in early Um, and that would allow us to plant some, some things with a relative maturity window of probably, you know, five to 10 day window, you know, so for example, if, if my, my prime zone is like, um, you know, one ten, um, I could plant, plant some stuff as long as 115 and some as short as 105. Um, and agronomically those would still usually work on my acres. Um, but what that would allow me to do is just have a few days, uh, a few days a window between starting one and starting the other harvest. Okay. Um, you know, and, and if we can get in in a timely manner, uh, we can usually get a, a pretty good spread, you know, instead of, instead of everything being ready to come out at the exact same time, I can kind of spread that out over, you know, it, it may just buy me another two, three days, but that may be the difference in silage that's too dry and it's silage is going to ferment well.
0: It's going to absolutely. So, I, I, and so I think that this is one of those interesting things because a guy, I think a lot of times a guy goes in and plants and he's like, okay, I'm going to plant 105-day, I'm going to plant 110-day, and I'm going to plant 115-day, and that's going to give me two weeks' worth of harvest. Is, is that is that what we're looking at? I mean, is that going to happen?
1: Very rarely will we actually see that happen, and, and there are some factors that come into play there. Um, especially when we move up north, uh, you know, the, the, uh, we move up into Wisconsin, Minnesota, some of those places, um, and especially when we plant really late, you know, so we, we had a really wet spring this right. year, a lot of corn went in really late, so we take that stuff and, you know, we have a 10-day spread in relative maturity, uh, but unfortunately, it all goes in in June, gets planted exceptionally late, well, at this point, we're picking up heat, units extremely fast. So the corn's all growing really fast, and it's maturing more rapidly than it than it really is designed to to mature. Uh, you know, the corn can handle it, but what happens is that harvest window narrows greatly. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, and we'll have Kyle in a little bit. He can he can really attest to this. We see this when we are we are taking out plots. You know, it, um, we mm-hmm. we start with the really early stuff, and uh, and yeah, it it's ready to go real early, and we get in there and chop it. And then you you go back a few days later, and all of a sudden we went from chopping a few samples of 85, 90 day stuff to holy cow, the 102 to 110 day stuff is going to be ready in two, three days. You know, right. so so it it really gets uh, that that window just gets tighter the later our planning gets, and the more heat units we're picking up as the corn's growing.
0: But it's still a good idea to kind of spread that spread that relative maturity out those the, those out, so that you you're right, so that you all of a sudden oh my gosh. We did get a whole bunch of heat and everything is ready to go today. And I've got, you know, 300 acres to chop. And it's going to take me to, you know, by the time we start chopping the stuff that's right on, the stuff that the last stuff that we chop is going to be too dry.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Yep. So, so, so the first thing in, in silage harvest management is is to spread out that that silage harvest by spreading out your not only your risk with the hybrids but also uh, spreading out those uh, those relative maturities as part of your harvest plan. So, silage harvest management starts way before way, way before the summertime. Sure. Okay. And and so then, all right. So, what are what are some other what are some other points that you see? Uh, that, that need to be taken for consideration.
1: So some of the things that, that will greatly affect um, the moisture of our silage at harvest time, um, foliar leaf diseases. Okay. Um, you know, and, and really, um, you know, we look at that and, and every hybrid's different in how they're affected uh, by leaf diseases. Um, and, you know, and, and as a grower, you have to recognize, you know, am I in an area where I'm susceptible to leaf diseases? Because we, you know, we service many areas uh, where, where they really don't deal with northern corn leaf blight or gray leaf spot or even the southern rust that's been such an issue. Um, you know, so it's important as a grower to know, you know, in, in my area, in these particular locations, am I susceptible to leaf diseases? And if I am, I need to select varieties that are going uh, to be more resistant. Okay. And, uh, you know, and, and so that, that hybrid selection really comes into play. The other thing there um, really comes in is, is fungicide application. Um, and, you know, I, I'm far from the expert on, on the, the chemical application of that stuff, you know, but it, it seems to me that time and time again – that uh, especially if I'm in an area that's prone to that stuff, you know, start early, start yep. start putting fungicide down. It's usually, it's usually well worth the money you're going to invest for that that quality feed stuff at the end of the year.
0: Definitely, and and so I I think that this is a point that that sometimes guys miss, and and part of it is the fact that we are we are aiming for high quality corn silage. We are high quality forages. Um, Lynn and I talked last podcast about. You know, one of the things that uh, that that of, of dairies that were surveyed that were over uh, uh, thirty thousand pounds is is they had high quality forages, and if you're going to get high quality forages, you know part of that management is a fungicide application, sometimes before you really think that you need it, just to keep that plant viable and growing. Not only are we not going to, I mean, not only are we going to be able to capture yield. And, and, and that, but we're going to be able to capture quality by spraying that fungicide, keeping right. that plant alive.
1: Right. So a, a prime example right now, we had uh, here in Southern Illinois, we had a tropical system here about two weeks ago now, came through, brought us some much-needed rain, a uh, little little cooler weather, um, and a lot's yet to be determined, but. Um, I'll be surprised when we hit this this heat and stre- and drought stress that's going to follow here in the next couple weeks if we don't see some southern rust that comes on from some of that right now um, a lot of a lot of progressive growers they're out trying to stay ahead of that now they're they're putting fungicide applications on ahead of time because you know southern rust whenever it, Whenever it, uh, you get the heat and it really, really comes on at a stressful time, it can take a corn crop in a hurry. Right. You know, so, so that's a prime example that you, know, you have to be proactive and be ahead of it. So even though I don't see rust in the field right now, um, I know that the conditions are setting up for a potential outbreak, so I want to get ahead of that. Good,
0: good. No, so So silage harvest management, management plan? Spreading out your risk and, and diversity with uh, with your hybrids and and relative maturities, and then and then a good f- uh, fungicide kind of uh, uh, plan also, where where I'm going to go in and watching the weather, knowing what kind of systems that, that bring that stuff in. So what's the other what's the other points that we need to be looking at for for silage harvest?
1: So really, really the other things we need to be looking at is is the timeliness of our harvest. Okay. Um, you know, and, and as you know, from a nutrition standpoint, um, the moisture is critical. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and that comes in from a nutrition standpoint, as well as just from a functionality standpoint that, you know, we, we don't want it so wet that we're, we're causing issues in, in handling and we're getting a lot of seepage. But also, we don't want it so dry that it doesn't pack, doesn't ferment, you know, th- those type of things. So there's there's an ideal window kind of in between the, those. There,
0: there's an ideal window. And, and I'll tell you what my ideal window is. I like somewhere between 68% moisture and 65% moisture. And some of that, though, depends on, depends on the, um, the, the hybrid itself. You, you know that not all hybrids are, are equal. And when we're talking about moisture, we're talking about whole plant moisture. And there are hybrids that the grain dries down faster than the plant. So you go out there and you look and the plant is still pretty green. It's still pretty healthy. It looks like it's still going. You know, and I think the agronomic term for that is stay green. Mm-hmm. And, and and so we go out there, but then we look and and the grain is already um, past half milk. And, and we're like, oh, gosh, you know, but we're like, it's too wet. So I would always, 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 you know, air on the side of just a little bit wet. Um, I, th- I think that you are going to continue to have uh, better quality there. Your grain quality, your your uh, grain digestibility is definitely going to be better when, and, and especially on one of those hybrids that, um, that, that the grain dries down faster, you know. And, and, and some of those also, speaking of that, and, and you can attest to this, some of those really turn down really really dry down really fast right 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 you know so there's some of those varieties that the grain looks a little bit dry today and tomorrow it's it's even it's even a whole lot drier than what you think it ought to be in a day Sure and, and so a guy needs to be out watching for that. So he needs to be talking to his his uh, his seedsman. You know what kind of what kind of variety did I plant? He needs to be out there looking for that. And and I really think, especially those those that have good stay green and and the grain dries down pretty fast. I think you're looking at sixty eight percent moisture on those guys. Okay, I think you're I think you're now now sixty eight percent moisture. You're not going to run into all of those. All of those, uh, you know, you're not going to run into a whole lot of lychee problems and just a whole lot of running and, and those things, but you're going to be looking at better quality silage for sure, and and I would always err on the on the side of that, and and then and and then you know one of the one of the things that's really interesting there, Kevin, is is how how dry is too dry for corn silage, right? Okay, you know how, how dry is is too dry, and from a nutritional standpoint, man, I think once you start dropping below. Uh, you know, man. Once you start getting in that fifty percent, it's almost better just to wait and either take it as as earlage or snaplage or um or, or high moisture corn, depending on what you need for your operation.
1: Right. So if if a guy was going to do that, uh, where where does he need to make up that that fiber that he's going to lose?
0: Oh, uh, so so he'll he'll need to make it up with with some good halages, and and maybe even um, you know, maybe even Maybe even coming back in after his after his corn crop with some cool season grass, uh, you know, some triticale, some rye, and and being able now that that's still the next spring harvest, but but being able to capture some of that 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 back from there right. is, is I think, and you you know you you got your high quality type. Uh, um, grasses there and and even even watching you know you 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 do that watch your alfalfa harvest you know and and go in and make sure that you are okay i didn't get my corn out exactly where i needed it for fiber so watch your alfalfa harvest and 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 be able to to manage that maybe a little bit closer
1: sure and you know i think a lot of guys underestimate just how much difference the moisture in that grain makes in in the fire, in the uh, starch digestibility and the energy that's going to come from that corn? Silage. Absolutely, makes a
0: huge difference. Makes a huge difference that that if I um you know if if I get if if I get it down there and, and my you know I can affect that starch digestibility by ten or twelve uh, percentage points and with with just with just uh, dr- going from a little bit wetter or optimal grain. To, to something that's a, that's a lot drier and and you're you know then you're losing 10% digestibility
1: right and you know uh, inevitably you end up having to add something to the ration to ma- to make that up you know so so if we can if we can get it out in a timely manner get it out uh, you know and, and and what it comes down to is um it, if the if the grain moisture is is right we're going to get that fermentation it's going to allow those bugs to work on it so that when it goes into the ration that it's that it's ready to be fed you know absolutely. and you know we can we can be a lot more efficient if we can deliver the energy from the silage we're taking out of the field instead of having to bring dry grain or something else in as a supplement uh, to push absolutely. the energy
0: so so guy really needs to be he needs to know what kind of hybrid he's got there and he really needs to be watching that hybrid and he, and, and so that that kind of brings us to this point is, is how does he watch that how does he check that?
1: Right. So you mentioned the milk line, right? Uh, and you know, and that's that's always kind of been the standard. Is uh, you know, when we get to fifty percent milk line, we're in the ballpark. Yes. And and uh, while that is accurate, uh, you know, we have to like we talked about differences in varieties. We have to kind of watch things a little more closely than just looking at the milk line. So uh, one of the things that that we always recommend is uh, you know when you when you think you're two three weeks out from from silage harvest. Go out there and cut five to ten representative plants from your field. Take them in, run them through a wood chipper, whatever whatever you have access to, get them chopped up, um, and check the moisture on that. And I know a lot of guys have have the option of doing that either on the farm or the local mm-hmm. co op down the road, um, and and, uh, and even at,
0: even a forage lab. Sure, I mean, you, you know you can get a you can get a turnaround at a forage lab in a cut in a day or two. Right. You know, so this is not something. You, oh, oh, I think my corn silage is ready. I'm gonna go test it and wait. No, this is this is i'm we're we're being proactive so to speak in in a week out two weeks out we're watching this we're checking this we're seeing how things are going to go
1: sure and you know and you know so from that point we get kind of an idea where we're at for moisture and then so at this point we start adjusting our harvest plan a little bit you know so if i see that you know this. The back 40 is is going to be ready probably sooner than what I thought. Okay, now I'm going to rethink what my my harvest order is going to come in, and I'm also maybe rethinking what my end use is going to be. You know, so maybe well, maybe I'm better off to to let that go, and I'll I'll go ahead and, and take that out like you said as snaplage, earlage, uh, maybe even dry grain. Yeah. Uh, depending on depending on what my my feed needs are at, at the time. Um, but you know, uh, looked at some data recently and, uh, some, some, stuff out of the U- university of Wisconsin on average suggested that, uh, that, that, corn plants lose about a half a percentage point of moisture a day, uh, which kind of gives you a, a, an idea what a standard is going to be. But like we said, hybrid to hybrid, it's going to vary and, and environmental conditions are going to change that. Uh, we saw a year last year and, uh, you know, for a lot of our customers in Wisconsin where, Man, right at silage time, it started raining, and it rained and rained and rained and rained, um, which kept guys out of the field, affected how the plants dried down. Leaf diseases are going to affect yeah. how the plants dry down. You know, so um, we can give you a lot of best case scenarios, but inevitably things are going to change. You're going to have to adjust on the fly. It's just important that you have a plan in place and know how to attack it when it changes.
0: No doubt, no doubt. So <clears throat> need to be, you know. W- Two weeks out, a week out, be checking those moistures, looking at that, figuring out how we're going to do this. You know, okay. So then, so then we're getting ready to chop. So here, here's the question: How high do we chop?
1: You know, that's uh, that's something that gets debated back and forth a lot, and even among our office, I Absolutely. think it gets debated a little bit. Um, you know, so the 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 standard uh, the standard idea for us here at Master's Choice has been that uh, we want to chop low. Uh, we want to get all of that, uh, you know, because when we chop high, we give up some yield. Okay. Um, you know, so I, I think really what we want to do as a grower, we kind of have to decide what our goals are at, at harvest time. Mm-hmm. You know, um, are do I need do I need all the feed I can get, or is it more important for me to uh, to get exceptionally high fiber adjustability in, in my corn silage? Um, you know, so you know, you, you kind of have to you kind of have to make that decision on. Uh, year to year on what your goals are for the farm Um, our stance has always been that go ahead and chop it all the way to the ground uh, because we're going to increase all the way to the ground as close as you can safely chop it well
0: so so this is where i'm going to step in all right and and as the nutrition guy i'm going to say eight inches is about as low as you really want to go okay so so that i'm just gonna i'm gonna throw that i so i like anywhere from eight inches to a foot left in the field Mm -hmm. i know that there i know that there are some people who are like well i'm still losing a little bit of yield but i'm just saying for for quality and for um and 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 for um yeah for for quality for sure and even for yield i think it's okay to leave somewhere between eight inches to 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 a foot
1: so so Tell me a little bit about kind of why we see a difference in quality there.
0: So, so basically, um, a lot of times what we see is um, it's it's a grain to stover ratio. So we have a, so you you take it. So the guys who like high chop, and, and I'm going to call high chop anywhere from eighteen to twenty four inches. Leaving eighteen to twenty four inches in the field is is what I will call what I will call high chop. And basically, what they're looking at doing is getting more grain uh, and and less of that less, less NDF, less, less neutral detergent fiber in, in that corn. And there are some guys who, if you've got a, if you've got a, a, uh, great inventory, that, that may be a management plan for you. If you, if you need some more energy in your diet. Okay. So, so that may be, that may be a, uh, a, a management strategy. I don't like it because I just, I just think you're, you're leaving too much out there. You know, a lot of times people talk about a lot of the lignification down at the bottom uh, of that plant. Well, yes, there is a higher percentage of lignin at the bottom of the plant than there is at the top of the plant. It's got to stand up. It's got to stay there. But with Master's Choice, um, a lot of the plants that we select, there's a lot of sugar down there. There's still some really good digestible material down there that's going to help with fermentation. That's going to help uh, even be an energy source uh, uh, with some volatile fatty acids and some of those things, uh, uh, some sugar alcohols that that are going to be produced in the middle of uh, of the fermentation. And and so so I I don't I I think that it's one of those things that. Man, I I know I know some some really high producing herds that like to high chop, but I just think they're leaving too much out there, and um and and in the right hybrid you can take it really low. I think the right hybrid you can take it, and, and there's and, and let's try it, let's test it. You know, I mean, you we're, we're sending a sample in, so let's send a sample in where we chopped high and see what we get, and one that we top chop low and see what we get, and see where we're at. Uh, I I don't I I don't ever think that that's not a you know that that there's a one size fits all answer for everybody but man um anything over a foot left in the field is just seems very wasteful to me yeah very very wasteful and 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 like i said um i you know eight inches I, i that's that's where i that's what i that's that's where i like to to see it
1: yeah and and uh you're at eight inches. You're not leaving so much in the field that it, you know, that, that it really bothers me. So you know, so yeah. So that's that's kind of, um, I guess, where the point there we can find some common ground on that. <laughs> there we go. Uh,
0: okay, we'll we'll agree. We'll agree on that one. Mark that down. <laughs> <laughs> so so chop height is part of it. You know, in, in it, and that's going to depend on where he needs to be, uh, how much inventory he has, what what kind of hybrid he's got. Chop height is going to do that, and then kernel processing sure okay so he's gonna have to he's gonna have to watch the kernel processor and and I'll say this guys if you've got a, a custom chopper in you'll need to be watching you know I mean and and it's just one of those things that um, you know a lot of times they get rolling and they go and 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 nobody pays any attention but but the the um, the more processed that kernel is the higher the digestibility is and and, and the better fermentation we get out of that. One of the things with Master's Choice that I uh, that anecdotally I don't have any research to back this up, but anecdotally is 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 we don't have to process quite as much because we already have a softer, more available starch in in those kernels anyway. But um, it, but this is one of those places where there is some debate even within the offices. Is uh, some people say, "Oh, you don't you don't need to process it at all," and I just kind of cringe when I hear that, you know are you are you going you know you're still going to get good starch digest about starch digestibility out of out of the softer endosperm even if it's not kernel processed right but why not make really good better sure okay and, and so so you need to be need to be watching for that and and making sure that we've got good kernel processing and that those kernels are good and smashed and that things are broken up there uh in in that corn silage
1: yeah absolutely like you say you know um you know, it it's not, um, it's not one of those things. You know, where I'm trying to decide is it is it is it good or is it bad? Kernel processing is always going to add something to yes. it, like you say. So why not why not take it to another level, regardless of you know where my where my baseline is? I, I,
0: absolutely, absolutely. So so other other things that we need to be watching for 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 uh, uh, harvest management there, Kevin.
1: Um, you know, so so as we're looking at at harvest management, um, you know. Really so be aware of uh, of what's going on with your weather where are you getting at in the time of the year uh, you know am I am I running out of of my window for uh, you know so am I expecting frost am I am I gonna get pushed late enough that you yep. know that some parts of the country snow could even be an issue depending on where you're at you yep. know so so be aware of that stuff and and if there's an opportunity to to get it out before some of those issues, then by all means do
0: absolutely yeah and and so frost is one of those issues that I think some people go ah, you know, I man, I would rather see corn silage taken at seventy percent moisture, not frosted. Frosted corn feeds funky. I, I don't know what it is about it. I don't know if anybody's ever ever put their finger on it, but but corn that has that has been that has been frosted, you know, and, it, and usually it's just you know it starts off with the top of the plant there, but it just feeds wonky. I, I and and so I would rather if, if you think you're gonna get get frost, I would rather you I'd rather you see it take it. At um, you know at seventy percent moisture. Now, if you're getting up there in the seventy-two to seventy-five percent moisture, you're still, I think, too wet. But if you're if you're if you're getting there at, at seventy, I, I think you go ahead and take that corn silage before you get it frosted on.
1: Uh, one thing too that uh, you know that a lot of growers don't think about is uh, when you're going into harvest, be thinking about your your storage. Um, you know, and you know from from a, a guy who's selling seed, my standpoint is if you're going to go in and chop my specific hybrid, I'd like for you to know where that's at, whether it's in a yeah. bag, whether it's in the, uh, it's in a pit or whatever, because I want to, I want to watch as you're feeding that through the, through the fall and the winter, I want to see basically how the cows are reacting and how my product is working. Right. Uh, so that's something too to be thinking about at this point is, uh, when I go into harvest, you know, where am I going to put everything? And do I, do I have an ability to segregate as I'm testing new products? Um, you know, and it, it's really easy to put a new corn hybrid out and to see what it does agronomically and, oh, okay, it, it stood, it did just as well as everything else, but I really don't, until I feed it, I don't, I don't know.
0: Yeah, and being able to separate that out somehow, and, and I know that, you know, so I, I've, I've heard a lot of guys say, yeah, I'll try a few bags of that and I'll put it out, and I'm like, why 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 even do that, you know, I mean, why why even do that? If you're really interested in some of this, really figure out a way to kind of segregate that off a little bit. It's it's a little bit more, but maybe a little bit more trouble, but not a whole lot, you know, or at least just kind of figure out how to mark where it is in, in, a, in a bunk or something.
1: Yeah, if it, you know, if, if you're talking about something that you believe in that, that can benefit your farm, um, you owe it to yourself to find out, you know, is is this product going to make a difference for me or not? Because if, you know, if I don't have a product that's going to benefit you, then I don't expect you to, uh, you know, to do business with me. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, really, ultimately, that's what I'm trying to deliver is a, um, the best product and the best service to go along with it.
0: Definitely. Definitely. No doubt. All right. You want to wrap this up? I think we have an in-studio in, in studio guest coming in here in a minute.
1: We do. He's been out uh, running around in the fields, but I think uh, I think we might be able to snag him for a little bit before he goes back out.
0: All right. Anything else on harvest management before we have him come in? No, I
1: think we've covered most of the topics that I kind of had, had on my mind. Good. You know, it's uh, it, it seems strange to be thinking about it, but uh, it always sneaks up on us. You know, we're, we're right in the middle of, like I said, a pollination, a lot of things right now, and it's— it, it comes fast after we get past pollination it, time. It does. It does come fast.
0: Oh, all right. So, uh, we're gonna we're gonna welcome to the uh, studio um, the uh, I don't know. I was gonna say the infamous, the famous. I don't know. Kyle Kyle Vosberg. So, Kyle's gonna join us here for a minute.
2: Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. All right, Kyle Vosberg. Tell us what's been going on with you here lately. Lately, uh, it's been pretty busy. Actually, I've spent quite a bit of time in the field recently. Um, R and D is kind of in full swing and, and kind of getting all of our ducks in a row before it gets extremely busy, August, uh, August and September look pretty much like a, a wash for us. We're pretty much out and about everywhere. Yeah. So right now I'm really trying to get my ducks in a row when it comes to our Southern Illinois research blocks. Um, and then R and D plays a big part in our dealer training here at the end of July. So there's a lot of work to be put into that. So, I've uh, been, you know, when I am in the office working in that, so working through that with Kevin. Good, good deal. Good.
1: So, Kyle, what's going on right now? What's uh, what's the status on some of our uh, inbred uh, inbred crossing blocks down here in our yep. nursery? Kind of what's what's going on timeline wise? Yeah.
2: So, timeline wise, most of them are rolling into pollination right now. Uh, most most of the time I've done this week is out uh, basically detasseling those blocks They're They're run just like a normal production field. So the females get detassled while the males are starting to pollinate. Um, and so those, that's been, you know, part of what I've been doing uh, a little bit of weed management where Palmer's kind of been an issue a little bit this year. Uh, so going through and trying to clean those up before I leave, uh, you know, here in August and just try to line all those out. So everything's rolling along smoothly. Everything looks good. Um, it's just you know there's so th- there's work to be done right so now. So those
1: those small crossing blocks, um, we utilize utilize some of the fields down here uh, where we'll go in and we'll plant small blocks where we take a common male and we'll put five to ten different female uh, female plants five different females in there. Um, what are your rows? Maybe 150 to 200 feet in length. Yep. And yeah. then also staggering the the biggest you know uh,
2: kind of timing thing is to stagger. You know, in a normal production field you have your set male and your set female and you know what their, you know, 50% silk, 50% tassel number is and and you just kind of, you know, set your male planning as in correlation to the female. Yeah. When you have one common male and half a dozen or 10 females, uh you need to make sure that you have the male pollen to pollinate those females when they're ready. So, um
1: so we have to have early pollen, mid pollen, late pollen, yep. and then some even later pollen. So
0: we have um, we, we spread out the pollination. We have, like Kevin said, mid or early, mid, uh, late, and even later. We do that. Why? why? Why do we have? Why do we need to spread those out? Is it to have enough pollen in the field, or or Why? Why is
2: it? Yep, just to make sure that every single group of females gets the pollen that they need. Uh, you know, just so that way we will be able to. You know, to get the the proper cross, because if 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 you have a late uh, silking female, okay. and then the males have done, and all of the males have shed pollen, and you know they're they're and she hasn't thrown and in she hasn't yet. thrown silks yet, then there's a what we would call a blank cross. Right. Usually, it's just you know we go through and say we didn't get it. You so know, the
1: the average corn plant inbred wise is going to throw pollen maybe seven to ten days on a on, good day, on, on a the good long year. end. Yep. Okay. Um, you know, so. Uh, if, if we don't hit that window just right with the female, uh, then, then we have a miss. So, just spreading that window out, we take it from seven to 10 days, we spread it out to hopefully two and, yeah. and a half weeks, we Good. have viable pollen flying. Vi- viable pollen. And a
2: lot of corn is pollinating right now, but it we haven't had a significant rain in a little over a week. So now in a, in a hybrid field, that's, you know, it's not as big of an issue, but inbreds need the water they're They just need, they, they are so easily stressed in, in their population. Sometimes, you know, they don't have the vigor of a lot of, you know, of hybrid plants. Uh, so they, they really need just a little bit of water right now to kind of get moving, which I think we're moving into some this weekend. So that could help a little bit. There's
0: there's a chance. So speaking of pollinations, all right, so that's kind of what you've been, have you seen Cullen lately? I mean, has anybody I made, seen him?
2: I have made contact with him twice. Face like I've actually seen, seen him. him. Yes. Okay, so not
0: just well, the first time I try.
2: introduced myself, so he knew what I what I did here. Yeah, and then the second time, uh, it was just like back to the same old. Yeah, Cullen, because he's been in the nursery
0: and and he's been he's been he's been pollinating now for what about two weeks? Yeah, yeah. they've
1: got two weeks of pollination. Yeah, we're we're there. just coming up on the busiest time for him. Okay, yeah.
0: so he hadn't even hit the busiest. So I I guess I figured he had hit he had already kind of, but he's just.
1: I think the first five days
2: was uh, just some stuff that was kind of early, kind of first started throwing silks and tassels and whatnot, Um, and I think he's really rolling into the stuff that's in its area, so that's that's why things are getting so busy right now.
1: And he's been training a new crew, so he's got a full crew down there working with him this year, so... I gave him a couple of weeks to, to kind of slowly warm up to it, uh, get everything down. Uh, when we hit, you know, probably the next two weeks are the busiest for him. When we hit that, he'll have everybody trained and ready to go. But everything's everything's going really well yeah. from the what I've heard. Here. He's ex- He seems extremely
2: level-headed. I think he's just got – everything was really lined out before pollinations happened, and I think the planting – spreading out planting the way that we did into different blocks, I think it worked perfectly this year, so um, – Excellent. I mean, it's, it's good. Excellent.
0: All right. So, so we, we've, um, you, you've been working in the, the crossing blocks. Uh, Cullen's been in the nursery. Um, everything seems to be going there. So what, what's next? What, I mean, what are we, what are we waiting on? You, you said you're going to start traveling here yep. in August. What's, what's all the travel for?
2: Yeah. So, uh, you know, a big part of my job is is to to help be a part of the advancement plot. Okay. Uh, um, uh, Program that we've built here. Basement uh, to-
0: plot is where we put out our uh, our material yep. with new, with our current material with with really kind of closer material like. Okay, is this gonna be a is this gonna be a hybrid in the next couple of years? So yeah, our it's experimental. It's, it's
2: our final stage of testing final before stage, it would make could, could. make the commercial lineup. So, um, and that just seems to, and then those seem to come in waves too. So, uh, you know, we'll have our dealer trainings, and then that first part of August, I'll try. Uh, my my plan right now is to do the Midwest, which would be to start here um, at the home office, make my way north. Uh, Hit all the spots in Wisconsin, uh, make my way through western Ohio, um, parts of Indiana, and then swing back home, you know, towards the end of kind of a a long, long week. Um, And then the week after that, my my goal would be to go west. um, And we have a pretty, pretty nice sized plot in Garden City, Kansas this year. And then we also have a dealer out in Kansas who who, uh, you know, we usually spend a couple days out there with them. Uh, Roy, as we've done, you know, vlogs in the past with. So my plan is to be out there in the middle of August um, and then think third week of August in Pennsylvania looking at advancement plots. So, you know, it's it's one thing after another, but it's all about just, you know, being out taking notes, talking to growers. Um, You know, we get to take visual notes, post-pollination which is great but we also get to talk to growers about what they saw early season what they saw early season vigor stand wise and whatnot so so you're going to be out evaluating hybrids absolutely good deal. so good
0: all right hey appreciate you coming in yep. appreciate you uh, being part of this today and um guys out there we appreciate you listening in and uh remember that uh we are we are social you can catch us on youtube uh, instagram and at always at seedcorn.com kevin uh, Kyle, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark.